Welcome to Faith and Freedom Fighters. I'm Robert Muse, co-founder and senior counsel of the American Freedom Law Center, and I'm joined by my fellow co-founder, senior counsel and freedom fighter, David Yurashami. And I want to uh, offer a special welcome to all of the semi-fascists who are listening to this show. My guess is, is that if you are listening, then you fall into that uh, category described by Joe Biden, uh, who described uh, conservatives as semi-fascists. You know, we are living in George Orwell's 1984. Biden and his uh, leftist fascists, and they are fascists by the common definition of the word, are engaging in their own form of newspeak. Right? Newspeak is the fictional language of the totalitarian superstate that is the setting of George Orwell's famous novel, 1984. And in the novel, the party created newspeak to meet the ideological requirements of its brand of totalitarian socialism. Newspeak is a controlled language designed to limit the individual's ability to think and articulate what the totalitarians considered subversive concepts, such as personal identity, freedom of expression, and simply freedom in general. Such concepts in uh, Orwell's 1984 were criminalized as thought crimes since they contradicted the prevailing totalitarian totalitarian orthodoxy. Sound familiar? And who are the true fascists? We are right now living in this dystopia, which is now a reality. Conservatives are branded as violent, while Antifa and Black Lives Matter, which engaged in violent riots and mayhem, burning cities, brutalizing police, destroying private property and businesses, well, they're described as, quote unquote, mostly peaceful. Even while overturned cars are burning in the background of the video shots, you have national media reporters dutifully promoting the totalitarian newspeak. People like Hillary Clinton, they get a pass for having classified information on a private server, a clear and present risk to national security, and then destroys the computer equipment that's under subpoena. Is that a crime? (laughs) Not in Orwell's new country that was once known as the United States. Nope. Yet this new progressive government launches its own special police force, the FBI, to raid the private homes and arrest political opponents for far less. We have California, David's now home state, seeking to ban all gasoline-powered cars by 2035. It's like 13 years away. But yet now they're having rolling blackouts and are telling people not to charge their electric cars in the wake of a heat wave because guess what? They don't have enough electricity. And why? Because they shut down the plants, coal and nuclear, that generate this energy source. And again, you know, if climate change is such an existential threat, why is Obama living on Martha's Vineyard? Why are all these woke celebrities and politicians flying around on private jets? Why is Biden's NASA going to launch a rocket that generates over 8 million pounds of thrust? What do you suppose the carbon footprint uh, for that launch will look like? And I heard on the news uh, yesterday that a tropical storm is now brewing. And they noted how there were no tropical storms in the month of August this year. It was the first time in 25 years. So this must be reverse climate change. But it's climate change nonetheless. In classic newspeak fashion, these left-wing tyrants claim that conservatives, people who want less government and more freedom, are threats to democracy and freedom. Meanwhile, these tyrants are destroying our Constitution, promoting all sorts of grotesque and immoral policies, 
turning a blind eye to crime and undermining law and order. In classic newspeak fashion, these left-wing tyrants who are hell-bent on destroying our Constitution and our Constitutional Republic declare that those who want to make America great again are the threats to America. Biden, the dictator, gave a horrific speech last night using U.S. Marines as a prop. As a Marine, I'm disgusted by the spectacle. But it wasn't by accident that Biden put Marines in the backdrop of a speech in which he essentially declared war on anyone who shares the principles of our founding fathers, the principles enshrined in the Constitution. Namely, he declared war on we the people who want America to be great again. It was shameful. You know, when I think about it, how could any rational human being with a modicum of morality and a true desire for authentic freedom ever vote for a Democrat? We are living in very, very dangerous times. And with that little riff, I want to wel welcome my uh, colleague, uh, David Yurashami. David, welcome from the land of California. I'm surprised you actually have power on that you can do this uh, this podcast video, video cast today. Must be sunny and all those uh, solar panels and and uh, you know the the wind propellers and all that are, are must be generating enough energy for you to be on today. So I'm thankful for that. Welcome, David. Yeah, thank you. Well, you know, I I'm one of those Californians that actually does have a electric vehicle, but I'm told that uh, I can't charge it and actually use the car because there's not enough electric power being generated by a dwindling number of power plants because California imposes such regulations that it doesn't make sense to actually create electricity in in uh, California. You know, you said something interesting, Rob, and it, I kind of think this podcast is going to be a little bit more freewheeling than uh, some of our other ones where we really think out kind of an agenda to talk about to our, our listeners and viewers. As I mentioned to you right before we came on, I had an interesting dinner last night that included uh, famous actor John Voight. And um, aside from being incredibly astute political observer and a man of real faith, the, the question at the dinner table was really this question, a rhetorical question that you asked, but I think it's a very real question. How can anyone other than the most hardened ideologue vote for the Democrats? I mean, I get if you don't want to vote for Trump or a Trump candidate, you might not like the man. You might think he's brutish and crass, notwithstanding what appear to be some pretty good political moves or policy moves or geopolitical moves. You might think of him too much as a populist and not enough as a conservative. So I get that. But how in the world do you vote for a Democrat? Their, their platforms, their ideologies are so counter to reality that you either have to be such a hardened ideologue and you obviously know that it's against reality, but your goal is simply your ideological motivations that you want to destroy this country from within. You want to destroy the notion of 
uh, one nation under God. You want to destroy the the classic American view of what liberty means and from whence does government get its power and authority? Is it innate to government or is it passed over or provided to government by the people for very limited purposes and for limited periods of time? It's not permanent. Either you're that kind of ideologue or you're just brain dead. And you're the kind of person that if I tell you to walk through that wall over there, and even though you see a wall, Rob, if you just keep banging your head against it long enough and hard enough, you will go through that wall without a problem, right? So you just keep banging your head because I told you to do so. So you're either brain dead or you're such an ideologue because I don't understand. And it's not meant as a criticism of all those people who are going to vote Democratic. And there's going to be a lot of them. Now, Mr. Voigt was far more optimistic about what was going to happen in November. I will tell you that I was not. <laughs> I was my typical pessimistic self about the vector that politics are, are um, literally hurtling down in this country. But I reminded myself and he reminded me of what he had said a couple years ago at the first meeting when I first met him at a dinner of this type, in which he said, you can't discount the fact that America is a blessed nation, blessed by God. And God has his, his eyes on this nation. And um, that's true. But since we don't know the mind of God, I don't know that God intends for this nation to, as it were, live forever. No other nation has. As I mentioned at the table, even the Jewish nation, which is still, as it were, in speech, a Jewish nation, which was created by God literally at Mount Sinai. It didn't last as a political nation very long. It went through a period of judges. Then they appointed King Saul. And then um, the prophet and God replaced King Saul pretty shortly thereafter by King David. King David had a son, King Solomon. And after King Solomon's death, it didn't take long for the 12 tribes of the nation to split into two separate political entities that warred against each other, the 10 tribes to the north, who become the lost tribes, they disappeared from history altogether, and the two tribes from the south that controlled Jerusalem and the Holy Temple. And they were soon um, disgorged, as it were, removed from, from political existence through the exile. So I'm not sure. But we'll have to wait and see what happens in November. And you know the uh, in your calculus there about um, you know the being a being a staunch ideologue or just practically brain dead. I mean, there's there's a third alternative, and it's something we talk about all the time. And that there's this is a spiritual battle as well, right? It goes back to that point. I think this this nation was a blessed nation, and I and I do think that uh, as I've you know, said time and time again, especially as a devout Catholic, Satan is real. 
and probably his greatest success in the last uh, you know century was to convince people that he doesn't exist. And I think there is a uh, there is this <laughs> it's almost like a demonic possession of what's going on on the on the left on the stuff they're doing from you know transgenderism to I mean everything is such an affront to God. It's an attack on the human person made in God's image and likeness. Even the the whole this whole climate change you know uh, agenda is an attack on the human person. Um, and you know it's we to survive as a nation we have to be one nation under god but we know and i you know i know there are at least 10 good people here in the united states of america and so if uh you know we can biblically we can we can we can at least have some precedent for a hope that it won't be you know fire and brimstone um right away um but it's it it is remarkable and this whole thing and we i started off on on my my riff as it were is this the idea somehow that people who embrace the constitution who embrace the concept that uh, you know we should have a government of limited power, and that you know that our our constitution was designed to really to do two things: prevent tyranny and to protect liberty. And the the biggest you know the biggest encroachment on liberty comes from government with the power of government. And there's nobody who wants bigger, stronger you know government than left wing progressives. Right. And, and it's all authoritarian, you know, it's all authoritarianism, which is which is fascism. These guys are the biggest fascists out there. And yet they're turning around and calling people who just want to be let alone, get government out of our lives. You know, let us let us be free. Let us and you know, let us uh, be free to do that which we ought to do. Right. Authentic freedom. Freedom isn't the libertarian notion that, uh, you know, everything goes because there is a morality. There is an underlining morality. And, I, you know, I'm. I, and I want to bring up Thomas Aquinas here because it's interesting. You know, he he talks about the natural law. And one of the things that Thomas Aquinas talked about, and not the only one, that, you know, God made us social, not sociable, but social by our nature, right? We know what's the worst punishment you can give to a person is put them in solitary confinement. Because we're social by nature, we we live in families and cities and organization. And, and there's, you know, there's organizations that help, um, you know, facilitate the common good. And that's government. So government actually derives its authority in the first instance from God. And so when it when it's when it seeks to do things that are contrary to what's what is the will of God, it's it it creates this dictatorship, this tyranny in a way that people can't thrive and promote the the common good. You know, you think of what, you know, you know, Adolf Hitler, everything that he did was lawful in terms of positive law. Right. And when it came time for the Nuremberg trials, they had to rely on natural law to convict these individuals for these for the crimes that they committed without the recognition and acknowledgement that there is a higher being, a higher existence. Then we don't you know, it, it turns to Hobbes, solitary, poor, nasty, brutish and short and might makes right. And whoever has the most power is the one that's going to govern and they're going to govern with an iron fist and it's going to be totalitarianism. And that's what the left wants. At the end of the day, that's what they're that's the direction that all of this is heading. And for Biden to stand there and give this speech that, you know, what was the last election? 75 million people voted for, you know, President Trump, the most uh, in any election other than the miraculous number that Biden got <laughs> as the worst candidate that I've ever seen in my entire lifetime. But yet at least 75 million people, uh, Biden, the dictator, has essentially declared war on because we want America to be great. I mean, that's... It's absolutely, it's absolutely confounding. It's shocking. It's, it's shameful. It's disgusting. It's frightening. 
um, and we see what what the FBI is uh, is willing to do. You know, from everything that happened in that, uh, as Andy McCarthy, our friend, you know, wrote about in Ball of Collusion and this whole Russia Gate and these lies that were, you know, that were presented to the FISA court to be able to spy on a on a, a political opponent to, you know, James Comey laughing about the fact that he sent FBI agents to in, you know, essentially entrap um, uh, General Flynn. Um, and he laughs about the fact that, well, you know, there's such a new neophyte, uh, you know, administration. You know, I sent him in there and got away with what I got away with because I could. And he's, you know, joking about it and people are laughing in the audience. I mean, that's just, this is just frightening, frightening stuff. And this raid on Mar-a-Lago, you know, really, re regardless of, of, its, of its merits, my goodness, what a... What a shocker, particularly when you look at, again, the way, as I mentioned, you know, the treatment of Hillary Clinton, the fact that she has, you know, it, it was a hard drive or at least some computer equipment that was under subpoena and they destroyed it and yet no obstruction charges. You had Eric Holder, right, the, the um, who was the uh, the attorney general for, um, you know, for 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 Obama. He was he was the first attorney general ever held in contempt of Congress. Did they show up at his house in the middle of the night or at an airport and put him in, sh in shackles to give him the perp walk? Not a chance. I mean, th this this is a, this is all a new approach that the the left has taken with the uh, with the FBI and the law enforcement and going after political opponents that that you know we talked about this last podcast as a uh, banana republic, but it's it's worse than that. You know, these banana republics are. are kind of laughable some of them there but this this is a fascist government that's reigning over us and uh you know and and branding its political opponents ironically as fascist that's their the, you know their newspeak this is um the answer to this is as i said the last thing is prayer and fasting i mean we we we, we need uh we need to there has to be something miraculous that's going to change because it's it's shocking here in michigan like for example you know the dobbs was a very well decision. Anybody who has a has a modicum of of intellectual integrity and understands the law, Justice Alito's opinion was was right on, right on the mark. And now here in Michigan, with with the you know we have Gretchen Whitmer, one of the worst governors, particularly even during COVID, she had the worst restrictions of anybody. And Dana Nessa, the Attorney General, who goes after political opponents um, as well. I mean, the, the number one issue now for the voters in Michigan is abortion. And they have on the ballot a constitutional, you can amend the constitution here in Michigan by uh, by vote, a, uh, a ballot proposal to amend the constitution to allow abortion. And it's going to be abortion on demand with like no limits. So all these, you know, parental consent laws, all these waiting periods, this these laws that prohibit coerced abortions, that could prohibit abortions without informed consent, all those laws are going to be gone off the books. And yet all the ads they're running against uh, Gretchen Whitman's political opponent, Tudor Dixon, who's who's a staunch pro-lifer and doesn't believe that there should be any ex exceptions under rape or incest. It's all, you know, painting her as the extremist. And uh, and that's the number one issue now in in Michigan is abortion when any when these Democrats should lose like ninety percent to ten percent at the ballot box? Now, you know, child sacrifice is like their number one, uh, you know, sacrament of this religion of the left. They're they're gaining. I mean, and you and I talked about this uh, briefly. Sarah Palin lost a runoff in uh, in Alaska. What I mean, granted, Sarah Palin. I mean, she's she's you know she has a lot of notoriety and 
But you know, she's a hard, she's a hardcore staunch conservative. But I mean, you should you should be able to run up anybody as a Republican in Alaska and they should win. And they lost to a Democrat. Now there's gonna be another, you know, this was just a runoff. Um, and there'll be another election in um, in November. But how do you under this, you know, with the inflation, with the way the economy's going, with you know, the mayhem in the streets, the crime, which is absolutely rampant, and the leftists will do nothing to stop it. And yet a Republican loses in Alaska. Man, that's that's just that's just really hard to take. Yeah, I think I think that that's a wake up call as to how demographics are going. I want to come back though. You know, it's um I kind of thought about getting into the weeds on this whole Trump warrant thing and so forth, and we still might, but um I want to come back at a higher altitude to what you said. So I, I propose that for someone to vote Democratic to be a progressive, they had to either be an ideologue committed to the ideology um, in such a way that it just didn't matter that you know that reality runs counter to that, that it's, it, it's entirely destructive of real existence. Or you had to be brain dead. And you propose, well, you know, there's this third avenue, this third possibility, which is there's evil in the world. And by the way, John Voigt said that last night. And I agree. But I don't believe that's a third way. I think that the ideologues and really an ideologue of any bent, but especially of the progressive bent, because the very notion of an ideologue, the idea of an ideologue, there's a thing called ideas. And ideas are mental articulations of what someone understands the world to be. But an ideologue is someone who creates a narrative about what the world should be, irrespective of what it is, and then creates this entire rationale or theory behind what the world should be. And that becomes their reality, their narrative. That's an ideologue. So it contradicts reality in many ways because they don't care. And that, in a sense, is evil. And it's evil because, you know, in, in, in the Torah and Judaism, the worst sin, worse than murder, the worst sin is idol worship. So the question can be asked, why is idol worship, the worship of a false god, the worst sin? I mean, when someone gets angry, we say in Judaism that that um, that's the worst possible state of emotions, because when you're angry, you lose control as if somehow you can control the world. And they liken that to idol worship and say that's the worst possible emotion. They don't say that anger is murder and that's the worst. But they say because it's idol worship and the explanation why idol worship is the worst possible sin is because it can lead to anything, including murder, mass murder. And it does that in one of two ways. An idol worshiper, someone who rejects transcendence, true godliness, the truth with a capital T, is someone who either elevates his own being, his own 
experience of the world, man writ large, as either God, he himself becomes a God, or reduces all of existence to simply physical matter, physical particles or energy, whatever you want to say it is, moving through time and space. And either way, you ignore reality. So, for example, if you believe yourself to be God, the famous Cartesian expression, cogito ergo sum, I think, therefore I am. In other words, if I can't think it, I don't exist. And if I do think it, it must exist. Simply wraps the entire world inside my mind. So if I say that you don't exist, Robert Muse, you don't exist. Even though you're sitting there and I could walk over to you and shake your hand, that's the notion of idol worship, making a person God or a person's thoughts God, to be more precise. The flip side of that coin is to say, no, not even man's thoughts. Human existence, like everything else, is simply matter moving through time and space. So it takes this stacked hierarchy of being, right, where where you have inorganic matter like quartz crystals or sand. You've got organic matter like plants. You have sentient beings like animals, and then you have human existence. So that human existence is the highest level of existence. Of course, then you have spirituality, godliness, which is the ultimate. But you have human existence which is more important ontologically as a matter of being than a quartz crystal. And you wouldn't argue with that notion, right? I mean, unless you're a hardcore pita vegan person, you know that you can kill animals to eat and survive. You can use animals for experimentation to save human life. And you know that animal life is more important than plant life. That's why you don't get upset if you see a cow eating grass. That's what they do. And grass and trees are more important than sand, which is why you would probably be upset if someone went around just destroying forest. But you don't much care if someone's digging a hole in the sand or turning sand into glass. If you reduce all of human existence to simply matter moving through time and space, there is no hierarchy of existence. There's no difference between human life and a piece of quartz crystal. So if you can crush a quartz crystal without any moral implications, then you can murder man. In fact, there is no such thing as the murder of man anymore. You've eliminated murder because all you are is a bunch of particles moving through time and space. And that's what idol worship represents. Either the elevation of human thought to godliness, where you can simply create your own world, whatever you want it to be. And therefore, like Stalin did, you can murder 18 million people or Hitler murdering 6 million Jews or any of the other notions of tyranny where the person becomes in his mind God, or there is no such thing as human existence. And to kind of put that into real 
concrete terms, let's look at this question of abortion that you raised, right? So the Supreme Court in Roe v. Wade and its progeny essentially said, look, there's a very difficult moral question. When does life begin for purposes of the protection of human life? And remember that human life should be protected not because there's a constitution or some law, but because the value of human life in and of itself, because if you're not elevating your thoughts to godliness, and if you're not reducing all of human existence to physical matter, then you know a priori before you experience the world that human life has value and it's the highest value of life or existence in this world of ours. The Supreme Court came along and said, you know, there's a difficult question there. When does human life begin? Either at a natural law level, you mentioned Thomas Aquinas, or at the level of the Constitution. The Constitution and the Declaration both speak to the importance of life and liberty. And but it didn't define when life begins. So the Supreme Court comes along and says, well, we're going to decide it's after the, you know, the first trimester, the second trimester, the third trimester, whatever their decision is, was simply, what was that? Was simply the turning of their thoughts into godliness. We're going to decide. But think about it at just a logical level. And this is why it's hard to, to sometimes get our minds around, forget the brain dead, the illiterate, the stupid, who would vote Democratic. Or, and, and it includes the brain dead, people who vote Democratic because they're going to get something. They're going to get a student loan um, uh, forgiveness. They're going to get welfare handouts. I consider that brain dead because they're so self-interested, they don't care what it means. If you, if you want to understand how grotesque the thinking of the ideologue is, think about abortion. And I've mentioned this to you before, Rob, on many occasions. I once wrote an essay in this context. If you and I can agree that um, we as men of faith recognize that life, protected life, begins at conception. And indeed, there's an argument that it begins even before that. But let's just suppose, as a matter of revelatory faith, that's what we believe. That's not what we believe. That's what we know to be the case. But then take the, the view of the person who has no faith, and that individual takes the view that life begins when I say it does either in the third trimester, the second trimester, or after birth, or sometime after that. It's whatever I decide. What is abortion then? Well, if we agree that we can't agree, and there's no, there's no objective measuring tape to tell us who's correct on this matter, then at the very least, one has to recognize that a fetus, an unborn child, either is life or it is not life. It's either protected like my life and your life or it's not. And if it's, so what, what, 
how do how do we determine that? Well, logically, you would say, well, then it's 50-50. If there's no way to objectively determine who's correct, let's just then agree, at the very least, that 50% of the time I'd be right, 50% of the time you'd be right. It's a toss-up. We don't know who's right. And if that's the if those are the statistical odds, as it were, of who's correct, and you put behind two separate doors, a lump of clay behind one door and an actual baby, a human life behind another door, and you close those doors. And if you were to open those doors, there's an IED, an improvised explosive device that's going to blow it up. And you're told, okay, since we can't know between the two, go to the doors and choose a door. So what would you do? You walk up, and if you believe in abortion is perfectly fine and not immoral, you're going to open the door. But what's going to happen? It is just as likely that there's a human life behind that door that you've just murdered with the IED versus a lump of clay where who cares what happens to it? In other words, once you accept from a logical perspective that neither one of us, the pro-abortion and the pro-life, can find some objective measurement that's going to demonstrate who's correct on this moral question, at the very least, you have to leave open the possibility that you're wrong. So I, as a pro-lifer, I'm not going to open either door. Because I recognize, okay, it could be a lump of clay if you're right. But it, I recognize that there's a human life behind the other door. And I'm not going to take that 50% chance that I'm correct and I'm going to murder a baby. Whereas the pro-abortionist says, you know, I don't care. I'm going to open the door. And if it's a lump of clay, fine. And if it's a human life, fine. I'm a murderer. Recklessly disregarding human life. That can't be. We wouldn't allow a person to run around with a revolver that has three chambers and you fill up half the chambers, 50% with live rounds and the other half with blanks and run around randomly pulling the trigger in people's heads. You wouldn't allow that because that's a reckless disregard of human life because 50% of the time you're going to put a bullet in someone's head, God forbid. The ability to argue for abortion is simply ignoring that reality and simply saying, either because my mind, idol worship, is God, and even though that could be human life, I decided that it's not, that the moral question is no longer a moral question. I simply ignore reality because my mind, cogito ergo sum, I think, therefore it is, or it is not. Or because as an idol worshiper, I've reduced all of human existence to matter moving through time and space. So you tell me there's a baby behind one door and a lump of clay behind the other. Doesn't matter to me because they're the same thing. A human baby and a lump of clay is simply matter and energy moving through time and space. And that's why the famous um, commentator on Hegel, Alexander Kojave, said that Hegel's philosophy eliminates the murder of man because you can't murder man. 
because man doesn't exist. He's simply matter and particles moving through time and space. Anyway, that's my view. Of- yeah, and, and you know, and it's interesting that your your discussion of the idol worship is is quite interesting, and even in, in the context of the abortion, because it, right, they will say that it's, um, you know, it, it would be a burden upon me to have this child, or it would, you know, I'd have to change my future plans, or so in in their in their equation, regardless of even if they have a, a you know, even if it's not a fifty fifty in their mind, it might be a sixty forty. There's they there's these outside really self-interests that are overriding what could be a, really a, you know a rational thought and, and, it, and in many cases and it's you know been my experience doing pro-life litigation and everything for long, so many of these women are are pressed into having an abortion by family members by you know boyfriends by you know just the 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 economics of this situation I mean there's such an incredible incredible burden put upon them that it's and it is it's going against their conscience and so they are they are actually very much harmed after the fact you know priest for life and father pavone has this um rachel's vineyard which all these you know post abortive women who have been terribly terribly harmed by the abortion decision and so there's these external externalities that that drive that decision in in so many ways that uh, that it you know it 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 forces them to violate their own conscience and causing them to have to live with with that sort of with that that inner notion that you know what I, I shouldn't have opened the door I I you know I and and so there's this there's so many other components to that but it but at bottom you can't say objectively that killing an innocent human life and it's a human life what is it it's not you know when when you when you're you know you're when your mom was was you know it, it, you know pregnant with you, she wasn't you know going to have a baked potato. It was going to be a human person. There's no other way. Science science can can demonstrate that without uh, without exception. It's a human life, and so the the question becomes: at uh, how much do we value human life? And uh, we you know we, this idol worship also becomes you know worshiping yourself in so many ways um, that uh, that even this other life is going to become a burden upon me. But one of the things that was it was interesting with idol worship because you hear the left will say, oh, you know, you know, Trump is an idol, and and you know, all you conservatives, you just, you know, he he wants to become this dictator in and of himself. Trump has a lot of, you know, a lot of personal personal problems. There's 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 no doubt about it. I mean, the, the, there's the hubris of the man is huge, and and oftentimes pride goes before the fall, as we, uh, you know, as commonly said. But I can tell you, you know, from from my perspective, and I know from and I know from my discussions, your perspective, and quite frankly, I think from the majority of people who support Trump, you know, when when he when he ran, I didn't vote for him in the primary the first time, and then when he became the candidate, I certainly wasn't going to vote for Hillary Clinton. I had to hold my nose and vote for Donald Trump because of all these all these extra the extra baggage that he brings. But man, as a as a president, that guy got stuff done in a in a very in a very very effective way, and and he's and he's the one that identified this deep state, this swamp, the fake the you know the fake news, and he's exposing the underbelly of these fascists, and and they can't stand it, and so he becomes their their target. But for them to think that it's just, I mean, I I love Ron DeSantis. I think Ron DeSantis is kind of the uh, has the Trump like person uh, uh, policies and drive without all the extra baggage that many of us wish wasn't there. 
Um, but uh, so that, you know, this idea that, and, and so it's, it's almost like, you know, it's, again, it goes back to the newspeak. They, they would point to conservatives saying, oh, you're, you know, you kind of worship idols and that you, you worship at the feet of Donald Trump, but it's no Trump did something that we've, that I haven't witnessed in, in my entire lifetime in politics that was incredibly, incredibly good. And he did so with literally both hands tied behind his back and everybody trying to trip his feet every time he walked somewhere. Well, if you, when you think about what he was able to accomplish and if Paul Ryan and these other rhinos, when he first took office, when we had the House and the Senate had been on board, we could have accomplished it. A lot more could have been accomplished. Um, but that's he's done more to to promote America. And that's what and that's what the, apparently the left hates. Right. This blessed nation. They hate the idea that we're promoting this this blessed nation. Everything they want to do is tear it down. And uh, and Trump is just the opposite. And, and you know, that's red-blooded, you know, God-fearing Americans um, like the policies of Donald Trump. Not necessarily the person of Donald Trump, but the policies of Donald Trump. And this is far from, you know, the idol worship. The idol worship is exactly, I think, as you descri you described, and this uh, this ideology of the uh, of the left, which is very, very much godless. Um, there's no other way to describe it. Well, you know, I, I was... Um, I was going to give you the last I, word because we're getting we're getting close uh, here to yeah. uh, the, the the end of the end of the hour. So I don't know if you want to uh, if you want to wrap up or if, or if it's even possible to wrap this up. This may be a, yeah. a continue to the next time. But uh, yeah, I think I think it's good to continue to the next time. But I, yeah. I did want to say that um, you're 100 percent right in terms of of this attack on Donald Trump and what he was able to accomplish, notwithstanding the attack. Um and we'll just have to, I guess, as John Voigt said to me last night, we're just going to have to wait till November and do everything we can in the meantime. Um, I'm not real sanguine, but I'm prayerfully hopeful. Well, that's like I, you know, I said last time, I say again, this is this is a spiritual battle at bottom. We got to get to pray, get to fast, raise your children, do do this, the things that are right in front of you that you can control, control them. Right. Cause I think that's, you know, Satan wants right. us to lose hope and yep. there's always hope, right. A lot of little steps do, yep. do what's in front of you and pray fast and, and raise your families. And, and uh, we will, uh, we'll get through, uh, we'll get through this. Um, and that's, uh, you know, we, we don't, but we don't live for, you know, for here on earth, we, we live for a higher, you know, for a higher um, reason for our, you know our goal with this is earth isn't our destination it's just you know the ship we get on before we we get to our hopefully our ultimate destination and and that's uh you know that's in heaven um so we uh we want to do all we can here to 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 get ourselves there and bring those around us there as well so let uh with that we will wrap it up it's uh that's really the time we have today we look forward to our next discussion we thank all of you for joining us as you know, our video casts are posted on our Rumble channel. We dumped YouTube and Facebook. And our, pod our podcasts are posted on Spotify, Stitcher, and perhaps other platforms where you listen to your podcasts and podcasts and where the sensors will allow them to be played. If you like the content, please follow us and please spread the word. Also, please know that we are a 501c3 organization and provide all the legal services uh, pro bono for the good. Consequently, we must rely on support from generous donors. As simple as that. Uh, please, uh, please consider giving a tax deductible donation to the American Freedom Law Center. 
You can do so securely via our website, www.americanfreedomlawcenter.org. Uh, please also know that uh, part of the agenda of the left is to attack lawyers. Right? They're going after lawyers who are challenging their anti-American agenda in courts. Um, there aren't many of us remaining who stand up to them. Um, we are still we're still standing and fighting and will to the till the very end. And uh, please prayerfully consider supporting our efforts. Again, thank you again, and may God bless you, and may He continue to bless America. Amen. Oh, 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 oh,